Hello and welcome along to Clara FM's Sideline View. It's Jerry Clinch with you for the next hour or so. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to a busy weekend of National League action as Clare hosts Wicklow in the football and make the trip to Exford in the hurling. Two Clare sides are hoping to book their spot in Munster finals as Avenue United and Manus Celtic make their bid for history. We'll check in on the local athletics and greyhound scene too and we'll have the latest in our Sport in Focus series. Football though is where we start, with Clare will be looking to build on their dramatic win over Offaly last weekend when Wicklow come to Cusick Park on Sunday afternoon. The Garden County arrive in Ennis still searching for their first win of the campaign. With Clare knowing two more points, we'll see them out of the relegation battle and beginning to look up at the table. After the game on Sunday, I spoke with Clare centre-back Alan Sweeney. So when you come up today, we knew it was going to be a massive battle. Um, we've seen that they awfully have played the last two games. They can all just show you the two results. So no more than we wanted two points today, we, we know that they were obviously going to go after them too. Um, we obviously started good, two points on the board. and I suppose we just got um, two relaxed in the ball and stuff, a few silly turnovers. And uh, they just kick point after point, we give away a stupid freeze, I suppose. We had a real reality check at half-time, um, four points down, not playing over really well. But I suppose we knuckled down, and funnily enough, at half-time we spoke that it might take till the 74th or 5th minute to get ahead and naturally enough that's what happens so. yeah. I'd like to come back then from another sucker punch of the goal just at a time when we seem to be coming back into it yeah I suppose look at it yeah it was just but we talked about going till the very end we were very disappointed in the first half with probably our, our attitude number one like we weren't working one thing we always pride ourselves on Claire is work rate and it just wasn't there in the first half one thing I'd have to say today is the belief we got off the bench from the boys it's unbelievable there's lads talking that you know we haven't squad in Claire. we see today everyone that came off the bench Goals, points, one kick out. Every single one of the lads gave us energy, so we're delighted with that. Is there a sense maybe of justice being served from the last day, or does that come into it? Oh, look, at every game takes life of its own, I suppose, doesn't it? It would probably, there's a lot of, we'll sit down Tuesday evening and go through the video. There's a lot of that game we wouldn't be happy with. Um, but once you go into the dressing room door with two points, we come up the road for two points, we're going home with two points. I suppose it's very quick turnover in this um, game, so we know what's coming to Innes next Sunday. Our ex-coach, Mark Doran, is coming down with Wicklow, so we know what he's all about, we know what they're all about, and we want two points again at home. So looking forward. But look at the context that you're looking at that game through now, four points on the board out of a possible six. Yeah, no, look, at it's all very positive, but again, it's a cutthroat game. If we don't back it up again next Sunday, suddenly we're, we're looking down as opposed to looking up, so it'll be about growing the group. We'll enjoy going back down the bus. You have to enjoy the wins. That's what all the hard training is for, but quickly... The attention will switch to Wicklow next Sunday at 1 o'clock. So hopefully we get a good crowd in. Hopefully we'll go after two more points. The thoughts there of Alan Sweeney after Sunday's win against Offaly up in Tullamore. Thoughts, as he said, now turning very quickly to the challenge of Wicklow. Uh, Joe Gary, though, joining us to look ahead to the game and indeed reflect as well, Joe, on what was a fantastic occasion in Tullamore. Firstly, the manner of a victory like that, the way they went about it, the way they had to dig for it, the way they had to fight for it. What does that do for morale in the camp? Uh, well, it, it can be, uh, you know, it can be season-defining, really, I suppose. But you, you also have to put in perspective that the manner in which the defeat two weeks previous, you know, can really hurt the squad. You expect to bounce back. The last day, you know, things went the other way for Clare. So you should be on the Christopher way of going into the Wicklow game. But, you know, they're around, the lads are around long enough, the management are experienced long enough to know that, in each and every one of these games, invariably the game will be there in the last 10 minutes. And I, I don't see any difference or any change in that uh, for next Sunday's clash in Wicklow. Yeah, it's something that was referenced by both Alan and indeed Mark Fitzgerald after the game that they had spoken at half time that the game was going to go right down to the wire. Now, I don't think anybody predicted it would go right down to the last kick or anything, but they were very aware not to panic at any stage. 
Exactly. And, you know, the more battles you come out of, you know, Claire had been uh, I, on another occasion, you know, bad that controversial refereeing call up in Mullingar, Claire could have six points out of six. But you have to balance that by saying, had Sean Carabine kicked that free in the opening day, it's possible Claire could be looking at one point out of six as well. So, you know, there's so little, the margins are so tight in Division 3, always have been. And, you know, you, you just have to make sure that you're in the game in the last 10 minutes and depending on your game management and decision-making of the players, you know, to make sure they pick the right option in the hope that you can just eke out a victory because all of these victories, they're very hard won. But, you know, as I say, you're building that bit of momentum all the time with a night to the championship only a couple of, couple of months' time. And that being said, though, while the victory was great and the euphoria probably carried a lot of people home, there was there will still come the stone cold reality of watching back those first fifty one minutes when Claire trailed one ten to four points and realizing we cannot do that again. I mean, yes, by all accounts, it wasn't pretty. And you know, you look at, uh, I'm sure, you know, Wicklow, Will, and their management team will look at that clear performance. Say, this is a clear team we can get at. Uh, Wicklow kicked ten points, I think, themselves uh, this last weekend. Uh, I think maybe Kieran Quinn accounted for maybe seven or eight of those. Seven of those were certainly from frees. So you know, they will they will see that if Clare can give up possession, if Clare can give up those scoring chances, Quinn will be good enough to keep Wicklow in the game. So uh, you know, goals, you know, a, a three point at any stage in the game for the opposition or for your own side can you know can propel a team onto victory so there's nothing taken for granted in this Clare have to improve they know that themselves but the encouraging aspect from a Clare perspective is they're well capable of doing so Yeah, just looking at the, the, the league table it would be probably a double-edged victory from a Clare perspective because it would move them onto those six points but it would leave most likely if results go to form it would leave Offaly, Wicklow and Limerick still all on zero points which you know, doesn't often happen uh, after four rounds of a National League. So six points is probably equaling safety. Uh, six points would probably mean safety, yeah, the, uh, the way it's looking at the moment. But, you know, you, you just have to, the whole thing can become unhinged very quickly. And Clare now have, you know, a big six, ga- six days between Sunday and the following Saturday. You've two teams that are fighting for their lives in Division 3. Both of them will fancy their chances with Limerick and Clare traditionally little or nothing between the sides in that one going down to Red Keel Saturday week. And of course, Wicklow are coming knowing that, you know, they're, that this is one of their couple of chances that they have left to try and keep on to Division 3 status so they will fight tooth and nail for everything Clare have to be you know make sure that they make the necessary improvements and probably will require a change in personnel as well you know in the starting 15 we'll have to wait now for updates on, on injuries and things like that to Dermot and the lads but there probably will be a change or two on the starting 15 and then the heartening part of it the last day out I think was the contribution from the bench yeah, that's key. And is that something like, and you've obviously the background in management, are you looking at that and saying, we got a bounce from the bench, let's keep that bounce? Or are you saying, well, this fella has done enough to start? Like, uh, can you often reduce the impact by starting a fella that makes that, that burst when he comes on? I've always found that I think players have a fair idea whether they, you know, they expect to start or not. You know, they'll know if they're doing enough. And I'm sure there'll be a number of players there on the clear side that will be saying, look at, you know, no, none of the players want to st- sit on the bench. You know, that's human nature. They want to be out there. And, uh, you know, nobody wants the, the, the role of super slope when things are getting tough that you'll be called upon. They want to be starting on the team. So and I'm sure there'll be players putting a bit of pressure on the management saying, you know, I'm delivering, I'm delivering. I need an opportunity you now to show what I can do and I can hold on to one of the 15. And the same will apply to the boys who are dis- disposed of those 1-15 to 15 jerseys, they will want them back. So, you know, it's a healthy rivalry that will be there, a healthy competition, and it will bode well for Clare, because realistically you need 24, 25, 26 options as you approach the championship campaign. 
And just that home element, like Wicklow probably coming as far as you can right the way across country. You know, if, if we were facing for Ockram, you'd be saying there's a few logistical challenges in it. So, like, it, it is falling nicely for Clare if the performance can follow. If the performance can follow, yes. And Wicklow traditionally, you know, in Ockram, a very hard nut to crack. Uh, Westmeath did it there last Sunday. Haven't been going particularly well. They know that they're in a relegation battle. And sometimes, you know, when you know exactly what the the, the fight you have is, you know, when it's so focused, like it will be now for Wicklow, given their three four games left, you know, there, there's no talk of promotion there. Their objective now is to win enough points to stay in Division 3. Their first opportunity comes on Sunday. They'll be going all guns blazing, but you just like to think that Clare, given that they know that they have four points out of possible six, and another day could have six out of six, they will feel that this is within their remit. And in terms of the team's progression and where they want to go and where they want to be for that, you know, Munster Championship clash in a couple of weeks' time, this is a, you know becomes a pivotal, pivotal game. But just on that, and you, you raise an interesting point in the, in the manner of mindset that Wicklow will come to Innes with, you know, needing points to survive. That's a little bit of a different mindset than being in mid-table and kind of knowing that if I don't get these two points, it's not the end of the world. We can go again. Like, they're in last chance to lose. Uh, well, that makes them dangerous, doesn't it? It, it does make them dangerous. I, I don't think Claire will, will take that approach either. I think Claire, you know, will feel that we're still in this. You know, we have to get two points here to safeguard our status in Division 3 as well. So, you know, the, I think with Wicklow, though, that when they will come to, to, if they happen to get a point out of Cusick Park, uh, on on Sunday, they would go home quite to Ockram quite happily. So you know, it's 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 they would be very focused on making sure the game is not a high scoring game. And if they can eke out a result, we don't know what the weather will be yet a couple of days out. So if they could eke out a result, they'll be delighted with that. Clear, it's the pressures on a clear now to a degree to back up now the last twenty minutes above in Tullamore to back up the fine performance and slide going quite and a lot of positive, positive aspects to the Mullingar performance. You know, you want to see that um, Mark Fitzgerald will want to see that the progression of the team going forward as we go towards the latter end of the league. And there's no better opportunity than at home in Parkisog on Sunday against the Wicklow boys. It's a one o'clock start in Cusick Park on Sunday. Commentary of the game here on Clare FM. Now, clear back in action this weekend in the National Hurling League as the race for those top two spots really gets back underway. Tommy Gilfoy with me to look ahead to the trip to Exeter. But before we do that, Tommy, um, positive this week that it's a, a clear team that will have Fitzgibbon Cup medals among the, the starting lineup. That was always going to be the case anyway, but isn't it a, a really, really positive start to the year that there's so many of them coming back to the county? It is, yeah, and I suppose it's an indication of you know the strength of of hurling and 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 that has been for the last couple of years, you know, and not just big power players, you know, both 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 um both uh, Mary I and Joel, you know, you the Clare players were key to getting to the final. Unfortunately, as you said, you know, Joel missing out on the three in a row, but uh, Mary I think justifiably on the day, I think probably were the better team overall, but Joel would have been disappointed to lose losing. Lead, but uh, Mary, I never said die, and I think um, probably epitomised uh, the spirit of their of their of their manager Jamie Wall, and I I think it was a fitting that uh, you know that they they came back and they won that game, and uh, you know a great competition. I suppose it's just falling at the wrong time of the year, probably um, from 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 everyone's point of view. But uh, I'm sure Mary, I will be delighted to. I think it's their third title, so 
congratulations to Mary I. Yeah, and now that it's all over, I suppose it'll be parked and, and all eyes, you know, that squad will all break up back into their county setups the more than our boys will for this week as well. But there'll be a good bit of a feel good factor around for those that, that won it. I mean, the ones that lost, as you say, would be disappointed. But at the same time, they now have an outlet with which to kind of vent their frustration. Yeah, and I suppose like, one wonders, you know, what the Clare management will do. Will will they will they give them a, a week to recover from from from, from their, their their Fitzgibbon duties, or you know, will, will they maybe you know in play start start some of them, give them game time, or else introduce others? We'll just have to wait and see. I just thought that you know, particularly on the UL side, um, you know, the intercounty players just looked a bit a uh, bit tired and a bit jaded, so. Um, you know, from a clear point of view, I suppose, you know, maybe they may arrest Mark Rogers again and give him a week to recover, I suppose, but the likes of maybe Keen Galvin will be etching to you know to, to retain his place after an impressive uh, display against Waterford. So again, I suppose they'll assess the situation during the week, um, but from you know, where they're at and um injury wise and we'll have to wait and see at the end of the week. But I suppose there's no better way of getting back on the way again after a defeat than getting out and, uh, you know, playing the National Hurling League. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it a difficult one to manage in the context of having won the two games so far? Because obviously there's positivity and there's momentum and there's all those good things. So you kind of don't want to break that up by making too many changes. Whereas you might look at it differently if Clare were coming into this game with no win and you were kind of chasing and reaching to maybe start building ahead of steam up. So like, there's there's certainly things to be managed no matter what way you look at it. Yeah, and again, I, I I think probably you know the the, the you know the, the other than the the win and the performance, I suppose you know it was the fact that other players got you know got game time. You know, Connor Lee and um, Connor you know Rind and uh, Garrod Sheedy and them. And I think maybe that they have done enough maybe to get to get another start. Um, you know, and again he's introduced back in. Uh, you know, John Conlon, so, you know, Peter Duggan got the game time. So, you know, he has enough, but yeah, I do agree. I think, um, you know, I think from a panel point of view, um, you know, and having a big panel, you know, from a player's perspective, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing worse than management saying everyone will get a chance and, you know, you don't get that chance because circumstances, you need to win this game or you need to win, you know, to, 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 to get a performance out of it. So I think the positive coming out of Waterford was that the fact that we did win away on the road in Waterford, but the fact that, you know, five players got starts that maybe they wouldn't have got if the Fitzgibbon players were available. And, and I'm sure anyone that's that's on the panel this week that gets a chance, you know, will be anxious to put their hand up. So competition is the spice of life. And I think Brian... Brian Lohan, you know, anyone that gets a chance now, um, you know, would want to take it. And, and I believe that he will give those players, you know, a chance next weekend. So we'll just have to wait to make up with the team. Um, you know, I do expect probably a couple of changes from the Waterford game, but uh, he'll probably assess the situation later on in the week. Yeah, and just looking at the league table, as it stands, like Wexford kind of hanging on the coattails at the minute of that um, those top three spots as, as what's needed, or the top two and the best third place finish for next year's league. Like, but... They, it's a victory that they kind of need now from a Wexford point of view. They've had, what, two draws, no win on the board yet. Disappointment, I would suggest, after the game the last day against Offaly for a number of reasons. So this is going to be a motivated, proud Wexford that Clare are facing into. Yeah, and I, and I think they'll be mindful of the fact that, you know, Clare went down there last year and, uh, you know, you know the Water, Wexford put up a very poor show and I think Clare got you know, scored six goals and it was probably, you know, an annihilation at that level, 
you know, from a Wexford point of view, look at their change management. I think, you know, Keith Rossiter uh, would have been manager of under 21s for the last couple of years. The way I see it, Derek, is I think, you know, Wexford are probably in transition from one management setup to the other. And I think Keith Rossiter's uh, probably mantra would be to introduce uh, a lot of the younger players, you know, probably not experienced. But then again, he has the you know, the likes of Lee Chin and, and Kevin Foley and those guys to you know to fall back on. So, yeah, I think he will be under pressure to to win at home. I just think that if Clare you know put out a reasonably strong team, I think that you know Clare will have too much physical power and maybe experience for them. But uh, as you said, the Wexford people and the Wexford team are proud people. But I I would expect that. Uh, Clare should have too much for Wexford albeit you know it's a long track of Wexford Yeah and obviously and look it would be well used for it in, in certain parts of this county but the weather as you well know from doing games in Wexford Park that can often play a part too Yeah and again beside the coast there there's a breeze usually blowing in, in Wexford and you know the last night now I think you know I saw it on television Wexford against Offaly you know it was a it was a brutal night for Hurland and probably that mitigated against um you know, younger, lighter, faster guys. But I, I'm sure on at the weekend, uh, you know, that, that Wexford will be, as you said, you know, they'll take the positives from two draws, uh, but it's one that probably they would be targeting their home games to win. So uh, while I think they will put up a stiff opposition, I, I expect Clare, you know, just to have too much, too, too much for them. Yeah, because it, it does seem like a game that if Wexford weren't to pick up the points, just given what the other fixtures this weekend are, like Kilkenny Offaly, you'd be saying Kilkenny should probably push on there and, and Waterford or Cork as well. So it's a game that Wexford badly need to win. So not a not a bad test either if Brian does go with a couple of the younger fellas. Like they, they will have to go to the, the depths of their toes again. Yeah, and again, I think there's something similar to the Waterford game. I think, you know, you know, let, let, let you know, they have they've trained a lot, uh, you know, with a big panel and I and I think, you know, Brian didn't have any hesitation and I think you you could see him, he was beaming after the match, you know, going around and you know, giving a pat on the back to the the newer players and I think, you know, I think again the positive of winning and, 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 and winning two two games in a row was there. But I think the real positive to take away was the performance of the of just brings competition to a panel and that's what the manager wants. I think, you know, the obstacles are always the way. You know, as I said, the Fitzgibbon is finished now and I suppose anyone that's been out injured the term reps is the aim now for 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 the, any of the players on the panel to to make that championship team. But so a uh, big, big opportunity for whoever gets the chance on Sunday. Yeah, we'll have live commentary that game, of course, from Wexford Park. Just a, a word, Tommy, on the other games in, in Division 1, uh, Group A, uh, Kilkenny and Offaly, you'll be saying, as we said, Kilkenny probably strong favourites for that one, although Offaly will certainly put it up to them. But this Cork and Waterford game now is looking fairly hot and heavy because Cork rooted to the bottom of the table. Another loss for them seems inconceivable and Waterford know a victory needed to keep them in contention if they want to go towards a knockout place. So a, a lot on the line here. Yeah, and again, I think Kilkenny were, you know, were very strong. They picked a very strong team to play Cork, um, you know, last week. So, uh, you know, they signaled their intent. Uh, awfully, as I said, probably in transition, a bit like Wexford introducing a lot of new players. You would think that Kilkenny would have too much for Offaly. But the other one is kind of a, a six marker in the sense that, you know, they meet each other in the first round of the, the Munster Championship as well. And um, both sides, you know, probably just struggling 
uh, for form at the moment. I suppose, you know, a lot of potential in Waterford and Cork, but they just seem to, you know, just struggling to get the balance right at the moment. And I think, you know, the winner of this one, uh, you know, will we'll, we'll have the benefit of, you know, has something to gain for the last two games, but the loser, uh, you know, can probably write off their chances of, of of making the top division, and that would be a blow to both either Waterford or Cork. Um, but um, you know, no, a, a big a big game ahead. You would think at this stage, I think Cork probably, I won't say need is greater, but I think uh, they will probably have the stronger panel, and I think if they perform, maybe Cork could just give out and get over the line. Yeah, huge weekend ahead. And indeed, the shape of the table will have a more definite look to it come Sunday evening. Uh, well, after that win for Mary Immaculate College in the Fitzgibbon Cup, I spoke with Claire's Jim at Ryan about the victory and a look ahead to the game on Sunday. But first, I was with Podge Collins. I was with these lads last year and trying to play intercounty football and not being with them every night of the week and missing games because intercounty football, the lads don't respond the same to you. So when you're involved with a team, you... You have to do every, you have to be there every night, and I felt there was a big difference this year with the full management team. We were there the whole time from the start, and uh, Fitzgibbon's a very unique competition. You've got lads in the league that know they're not going to play a championship because you've got eight top-class intercounty players coming back, and they have to swallow that. And you have to keep them on side and keep them happy. And they're just a super group. Um, we're very fortunate to have them, and uh, I was delighted to be involved, like very much up against it today, midway through the second half. I don't know where the lads found the energy because it looked like every momentum was completely going against us, and um, then just you well, I don't know their forward line just. I, I don't know, we, we just seemed to pick up a lot more ball in their forward line when they were letting it in and started to build it a bit better and get a few scores because it didn't look like, how, like we'd know how to score at the start of the first second half with the wind. So thankfully we got to grips with it and um, yeah, no, the lads pulled it out in the end and uh, it's fair nerve-wracking. Like as a player, <laughs> as a player you get told your job and then you go home to bed and you think about your job and you're trying to do your best for the team and then as you're involved with the team then you're trying to think of everyone's job and trying to think how you can improve everything. How you, can, how you can improve like the trip to the game, the dressing room you're in, the, how the lads travel, what they eat, what they drink, how every, just provide as much as you can. And um, in fairness to Jamie, like he's just so good on all that. So it's a great experience for me to be involved with him and to win all Ireland. Like in, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm delighted for the lads. Like it's just an unbelievable group, and they're going to enjoy tonight. I'd say. Maybe it was a fitting way to win it because it's been that battling quality throughout the year. Like you've, you've gone to the well and found it every time. Yeah, well, t- I, t- to be honest. I don't know we, like, we've won games Like we've won our first game 8 points second game 7 points next game 8 points next game 7 points like they've they've cruised through it and they've been underdogs the whole time which I don't understand like you've got such quality all over the field like like Ronan Power All-Ireland winner with the club um, like Shane O'Brien who's just a phenom uh, the Bull they call him um, Dermot Ryan Adam Hogan Connor Hennessy Carl Quinn midfield Joe Caesar the Jason Glenn and goes like it's just it's just Colin O'Brien superstars everywhere. I fucking I hate leaving lads out now. Devin Ranger, they've just superstars everywhere. So they were written off kind of, and I I know everyone kind of says that, but they actually were like when you look at the odds on this game, like they were completely written off. And in the previous games, you see it was the same. Like so, um, they like I suppose a bit of a chip in the shoulder. It's no harm once you win, and uh, I know fair play to them. There's a great group of lads. And finally, you can see what it means to the lads. But if you just turn behind you, they've made their way over to, to Jamie Wall. We were interrupted there by the goal scorer uh, on his way over though. Like you'll know what it means to him. Like that's massive. Ah yeah, no, listen, tears there at the end. Uh, he said last year it might be his last year at Mary I think he's done he's been involved for ten, I think. Um, and I played against him. I was with you at the time and he was with Mary I played against him, he was marking Jack Brown, so uh, he's he's uh, yeah, he's over the moon from because more so than himself, he knows what it like he's been involved in other Fitzgibbon winning teams and the bond that it creates for a group of lads to go through college and win one, like that's all he wanted for them and 
no one's going to know what Jamie has done for this group, and nor does it need to be out there in the public. But uh, he's done a phenomenal amount for them, like um, off the field, and uh, it's no wonder they want to repay him with the way they did. Like, and it's always good, I think, when you players on the field that want to do something for the man in the line. Like, and it's what I think makes a good manager as well. So they were definitely playing for Jamie. It's a really special kind of day for us. We're only a tiny little college. We probably fit into the corner of UL, but. Um, Look, when you have these this group of players, look, it's we're, we're really close. This is my last time now in a Mary I jersey, and it's a really special way to to finish off, to see out the course, and, and then I'm afraid I'll I'll be finished. But look, it's it's what a win, and to beat UL as well. The, look, they've been unbelievable champions, they're an unbelievable college, and some of them are, as you know, they're with some of my best friends. So, look, it's it's great to get one over on them, but at the end of the day, like it could have went absolutely anywhere there, and you create your own look maybe in some of these finals. Yeah, you put an awful lot of effort into this, led by the men here behind us, Jamie, and your own clubman, Podge. Like, this doesn't happen by accident. No, and look, Jamie, this is, Jamie's been at this now years um, with us, like, in, in Freshers. He took us under myself and Colin and Jason. We're, we're, the, we're, we're final, it's our sixth year in the college, like, so, look, it's, um, it's unbelievable to have someone like that. And he, the way, what he does for us as players and as people is it's unbelievable. And Podge, sure, look, I know Podge, when I heard he was getting involved, I, I, the lads, like, how is he? I was like, you're going to see his passion now. If we win, if it's, he'll get us, he'll get us a long way. And look, it did happen, and thankfully he came on board. What kind of a game was that to play in? Uh, look, it was it probably, I don't know, was it maybe as a neutral, was it the, the best spectacle? But look, it was it was, it was was really like, I suppose it's given a hurling mucky pitch, like whoever was get, wanted to get over the ball. And like not, not saying we maybe wanted it more than, than you will, but just we seem to be just coming out with those balls at the, at the very end. And, Maybe other years gone by, they were falling into opposition hands. But look, it was they got their proper patch, and not that we ever got worried or anything. But as we knew, if you feed the boys inside, Shane O'Brien and Shane Meehan, look, they'll do the damage and won a couple of frees just to steady the tie there. We needed them. You'll have a few days celebrating, no doubt. But then I'm sure Mr. Lohan will be back on the phone saying, "Get back in here. We've got a few games ahead of us too." Yeah, exactly. And look, Brian's been fantastic with us. Um, you know, giving us the time to play like an unbelievable competition like this. And there's no such thing as, as flogging us. Look, we're we're well refreshed for each for each game. So look, they they've been absolutely brilliant with us. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward now to get back in. It's the start of a really good year. It's like some clear lads winning Fitzgibbon medals today. So look, it's, it's unbelievable. And it just you want to get back to training now as soon as possible. But as you said, yeah, back on place for now in McQueen and Fergal Lynch on Monday. So uh, we'll see who we got on then. Yeah, but like it's just if I can have a quick chat about the National League, like positive day here. But what a very positive start to that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, two wins from two. And look, I wasn't involved uh, last week, but uh, the lads that came in were, were absolutely were unbelievable. Like, and it's, it's you, you just when you're when you're watching it, you can't. You just feel excited about what's coming down the, year, the line because everyone's pushing each other for positions and when you have this early on in the year you're just excited for what's to come and hopefully we can go a step further now in Munster and another step in, in, in the come come August for the All-Ireland so look it's it's exactly it's really really positive start and uh, hopefully we can just keep it going Does it feel like the squad is more stacked with options this year perhaps than it has been in a, in a couple of years? Um, I don't know is it that we're kind of more stacked with options but, but as we brought in maybe a bit more than we might have done last year and a lot of lads have stayed on and um, have the, uh, from they're coming into their second third year now, so they're starting to push on. And it's it's unbelievable to see that coming through. And when you're looking there, I'm, I'm nearly referring to some of the younger lads now. And I'm saying I'm 24, and the way I'm saying it, but it's just the newer fellas coming in. They're getting younger and younger, and they're pushing the, the lads at the top. And look, you can't when that's when that's happening. It's just nothing but positivity in the camp then. Jim Ryan and Podge Collins there and that game against Wexford live here on Clare FM from 1.45 on Sunday. 
Well, it's a huge weekend ahead for Clare Soccer with two teams going in search of places in Munster finals. The Munster Junior Cup final is the target for David Russell's Avenue United, who are bidding to be just the second team from the county to make the provincial decider. They go to Care Park to take on Tipperary Kingpins St Michael's. And ahead of that, I've been speaking with club stalwart Conor Mullen. It's been a long road again. We've been on the go for, for eight or nine months now at this stage, so... This is kind of why you play football is to, for occasions like this and to play the, the bigger boys. So, yeah, delighted. We're all very excited. And it's a season that's been building nicely. Like any time you talk to management in the pre-Christmas era of October, November, the target always seems to be be in contention for as many trophies as we can when January comes and then go have a cut at them. That's kind of been your approach. Yeah, for sure. Um, like at the start of the season, so David uh, Russ kind of spells out what he wants from from what, what he expects from us, and you just want to make sure you're still in the FAI and, and Munster and, and in contention for the league. And and we were, to be fair. Um, and then obviously with that bitterly disappointing kind of result in the FAI, so just delighted we've been able to to drive on in um, in Munster and, and get to to the last four. So yeah, very very excited. And often when you've come, you've done a brilliant run in terms of being unbeaten and then as you say that day was quite disappointing. Often you can see teams unravel or head into a spiral after that but probably spoke volumes for the character of your side and the way that you've responded. Yeah, like the the first half of the season was excellent. We couldn't have asked for for any more. It's easy, like momentum is such a big thing in sport and and we were on such a good run and I think that's, we drew a new market before Christmas and we probably didn't play particularly great and, and then the Christmas came at um, pretty bad time for us to be honest and we definitely took our eye off the ball like Shannon Town came out and they put up a great performance against us um, first game back after Christmas and then we, we didn't we didn't show up against Tyler to, to be brutally honest like um, you can say what you want about decisions and that kind of thing but we didn't play to it to our standards so um, it's a credit to Russ and the lads that we've, we've just managed to kind of knuckle down again and, and get cracking and you know, we managed to, to beat Lifford in the league there again and good result away in Cork. So, yeah, we're on the right track again now, thank God. Yeah, it's following a similar path. You had that little tune-up, as you said, against Lifford and the same this weekend in the Cup. You were billed as being heavy favourites. I know there might have been one or two changes and stuff like that, but at the same time, having to come through another battle, now everyone's ready, everyone's fresh. Yeah, for sure. In, in fairness to, to Shannon Town C, they, they put up a great performance yesterday um, and we just wanted to try and get through that game clean sheet and make sure there's no injuries and just kind of get ready for, for Michaels now next week and, and touch wood we managed to, to do that so just a big training week coming up now and all eyes lead to, to tip next Sunday Yeah one of the biggest tests you'll have faced not just this season but in, in quite some time I would suggest Yeah they're a great side like again you know they got to the FAI Cup final last year um, and, and they marketed really well to, to get over the line but they're usually winning the tip league they get to the last stage of the FAI once a junior every year they're a huge size um, and we're going into it we know we'll be underdogs um, but we back ourselves as well at, at, at the same time And you know, we've played Newmarket enough over the past couple of years and, and obviously them winning the FAI and, and, and nearly winning the Munster last year you know, we take great confidence from that because we'd like to think we we're not a million miles off that ourselves and listen to the test on Sunday now we'll um, will prove a lot but um, yeah we're not we're not a million miles off it Yeah that's a great bar for yourselves to be aiming towards and I suppose for Clare Soccer as a whole like that yourselves in the market are spoken among those echelons Yeah for sure like, like I suppose with the market there's a ferocious kind of rivalry but between us when we're on the pitch um, and no one can kind of say otherwise but off the pitch there's massive respect and 
what they did last year was was nothing short of uh, phenomenal. Really, like to, to win an FAI um, and then to nearly win a monster. You know, that takes some going, and, and they're an excellent side to be fair. And we felt like we weren't a million miles off them. So the fact that they've managed to to go and do it on these big occasions, um, you know, we take confidence from that. That you know, there's there's a couple of teams in Clare who can land blows with the, the kind of bigger sides in the in the country. So. Yeah, we'll take confidence from from obviously beating Newmarket recently and going toe to toe with them. So yeah, it's great for Clare soccer. The road trip is something that doesn't seem to phase you. Yeah, like West Cork, we were down there what um, just over a week ago, and that was a horrendous journey. To be fair, we had lads getting sick on the bus and and all sorts. But um, no, we're, we're getting. That was a professional performance. We managed just to go down there, do a job, and we've been away from home a, a good bit this year. So no. Um, Listen, getting down to to, to tip, playing on a good pitch. Um, no, we'll back ourselves 100%. We know we'll be the underdogs, but we've got a very good side and we just need one big performance that you don't get second chances at these. So just hoping we can get down there and and just be professional and go about our business. Yeah, it seems that the squad this year, Connor, might be as balanced and as strong as you've had in quite some time. Yeah, credit goes to, to David Russell, really. Um, to Russ, he's managed to... To, to put a really good squad together like we kept kind of everyone from last year um, and we've added a, a couple of new faces as well so like you look around at the side you've, you know you've got like Dylan Casey Steve McGann uh, Mark Roach Elias like there's, there's quality everywhere to, to be fair so um, and, and we kind of need that big squad now coming into to the business end because just such a long season lads pick up knocks and injuries and, and that kind of thing so no there's, there's quality everywhere and you, you're just hoping now like there's no second chances when when you get to this stage. So the lads just um you know, that we take the opportunities we get and please God we can we can do a job. Speaking of those knocks and injuries, how was your own body? I know you were you were struggling with a back injury there for a while. Yeah, um I'm I'm not getting any younger, I can tell you that much. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, just about okay. Been uh, kept together week week by week, but um yeah, doing okay, and I think we've pretty much got a clean bill of health um, across the squad with one or two small knocks. But hopefully now we'll we'll have pretty much a full squad to to choose from. So yeah, not retiring just yet. Yeah, hopefully not until you face into that monster final. Like, how big a carrot is that? The carrot of that big occasion is it something you can let yourself think about in a semi-final tie? Is you know can it be often hard not to get distracted by it? Yeah, like Russ has done a great job in just keeping out. Kind of, we take it game by game. Like we didn't speak about Michaels until we we kind of got past Shannon C there um, on last week. So it really is game by game. And I suppose the good thing is, with regards to Russ, no one puts in more hours than, than he does. And you know, we've um, he's been down. He's seen them play on a few occasions. And most clubs have got VO these days, so it's it's quite handy to be able to to get clips and. And that kind of thing. So we're not looking past next Sunday now. We'll do our homework this week. We'll watch the videos and we'll get through our two, three training sessions and hopefully we can do a job. But nothing, we don't look past Sunday, that's for sure, because you have to go down to tip, play one of the best sides in the country in their backyard. Um, we're not going to think too far ahead, just get through that 90 minutes and, and hopefully we can um, we can get the job done. 
Avenue United's Conor Mullen there ahead of their clash with St Michael's. That's in the Munster Junior Cup semi-final on Sunday afternoon. For Manus Celtic, they're also chasing history as they compete in the Munster Junior Shield semi-final in Frank Healy Park. They meet Ballinanti Rovers B also on Sunday afternoon. It's the first year of this competition which is aimed at teams in the lower divisions and has proven to be a huge success. Manus manager Alan Considine told me that they are determined to keep an enjoyable campaign going. It's been a great experience. Uh, it's a great competition that the Munster Council decided to um, begin this year with um, for clubs like ourselves in the lower divisions. I think it's, it was designed for all the clubs outside of the Premier and the first divisions in the various leagues throughout Munster. So it was great. We we put our name in the hat, I suppose, to try and get in a way there, um, get a bus, get, get going with the panel of players and, and get travelling on the road. But we had to, we had to three three games in Clare before we got out of Clare. Um, which all turned to be turned out to be away games. Anna, we played Hermitage. We beat them after extra time. Callan, we played them. We beat them after extra time. We beat Tulla. Then we went down to Limerick and Carberry and beat them two 0 And then we travelled down to Osio Park and Waterford against Piltown. Even though Piltown are a Kilkenny club, they play in the Waterford League, and we beat them after a penalty shootout. And then we got a home draw against Fair Green the last round and we, we managed to buy them after extra time also so it's been it's been a hell of a journey already so far. Uh, there seems to be a common theme there that uh, you like going past the 90 minutes anyway. Yeah, some of our players won't thank the rest of the players <laughs> for that but that's the way, that's the way it appears alright, yeah, yeah. There's been a few long battles alright. Yeah, but doesn't that kind of a run or that kind of an experience serve to bond a squad like that you've had to go to the well so many times? And go to the well is right, yeah. Like we were, we've been chatting ourselves even before a few of the games. There, uh, we we've only one team in 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 Manus this year. We've had there was been occasions where we've had two teams, an A and a B team, but we've one team this year, and we we purposely done that because we wanted to try and establish a good squad. But we were going through the numbers we had used, um, you know, I shouldn't say used, but utilised during the year, and we've already exceeded forty players that have that have put on a Manus jersey at different stages of the co- different competitions from so far this year. We kind of. A, Settled panel and over maybe 25 or 6 but it's taken huge numbers together as where we've got like and some of the lads that played in the earlier rounds aren't with us any longer playing but they contributed as much as what the lads are playing now you know Isn't that a success story as much as anything else that the club attracted that many people to put the shoulder to the wheel? Yeah I think it's 41 players like 41 players have utilised now that's, that's my record then, yeah. so it is huge and as I say players played in the first games against Hermitage and Callan and maybe Tuller uh, and, and didn't feature again after due to no fault of their own but the panel becoming stronger maybe other players have commitments to work elsewhere and that kind of stuff but yeah it's taken, um, it's taken a huge sea of players to get us where we are Yeah and I suppose as well like for you know the, the younger lads around the area that might want are thinking of playing at Manus or you know want to play a bit of soccer like when they see a success story like this a Munster semi-final that's great for future development isn't it? Huge and even the last couple of games now, particularly in uh, Frank Healy Park, uh, the last round against Fair Green, to see so many young faces at the game, at the game was brilliant, you know. And we're hoping, we're hoping come this Sunday now, we'll we'll have a lot more younger people there as well. We've one of our players there is um, Colin Rigdale, Stig, he's on as but he's a teacher there in the local school, and you know we're hoping even the, the pupils will rally behind him and end up above at the pitch uh, supporting us as well. And that them kind of things, like I mean, that's what develops young lads into coming on to play whatever sport to choose themselves but it's having their own little heroes at work or whatever you know they're looking at and that's what we be aiming for now as well trying to get, um, get the youth involved as well Yeah, In the context of the overall club Adam, how big a day is this coming up? 
Um, to say it's the biggest day in the history of the club, it, it, it's 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 not an understatement, Damon. I mean, like I mean, it, it simply is the biggest day. In 1995, the club was formed, and we've 29 years in existence now. Um, you know, we went from starting in McInerney's Field to playing in Tier McLean to moving on to the Fair Green, and now we're playing out of Lee's Road. And you know, I mean, we don't have our own pitch now. McInerney's did uh, provide a playing pitch way back when they started in 95 and McInerney himself would have played at that time but I suppose just moving on to better facilities and pitches and that so we were in Lee's Road now and a lot of that was down to help from um, Joe Carey who was always involved in the acquisition of playing fields for us uh, through the Clare County Council like, so that's where we are now but it's definitely the biggest day in the history of, of Man Celtic Football Club there's no doubt about that How much research have you done on the crowd that are coming up to meet you? Um, would you believe I, I know him very well I know Bellenti very well I know their chairman for the last I'd say over 30 years DJ Glazen there he's a he's a window business there working on Khalili and Limerick but I know him very well I'd be a personal friend of his but um, obviously it's their B team their A team will be contesting premiers of Limerick um, I've only got to see him once this year uh, which was last Sunday we were due to play firm but we had no game due to the weather so we don't watch them but we didn't really learn much from them, I'll be honest. They were playing Newport C, who were bottom of the league, so they were convincing winners there. And from what I've seen, I would say they had only six or seven starters. Anyway, I think they rested a couple of other players. So we know they're a big club, but I suppose down to individual players, we don't know a whole time about them. Yeah, but I guess from a from a reputational perspective, we know what they can do as a club, and you have to imagine the B team will be strong given the numbers that they'd be going through as well. So, like for your lads, I'd say there'll be very little motivation needed this week. They want to test themselves, and here's a huge chance. Yeah, an absolute huge chance. And like as I say, we we know about our stats, Bella B stats. There, they've, they've played eleven games. They've scored fifty-two or four goals in in them eleven league games. They won ten of them. They've only lost one. So we know about our stats, and we know what they, what they, what they're capable of doing. So. I mean, if our lads aren't, if our lads can't get up for a game like this, uh, there's no war from the law. But listen, we've no fear there. Anything we ask of our lads, they're more than willing to do. Um, there's one or two players I think that we've we've played in every position on the field, and there's never there's never a, a sulk or, or, or a moan. It's just every fellow that gets a jersey out there is delighted to get a jersey, and it'll take it'll take 16 players again as 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 it has in most rounds to get us through. Like I mean, it's not it's not an 11 man game now. It's 16 lads will take to the pitch, but in that you'll need 18 or 19 clubs, which we will have, you know. Yeah, and just finally, as you say, it's on in Frank Keeney Park, it's on a Sunday afternoon, and I'd say there won't be too many people left in Clarecastle, and, and its environs hopefully coming up with the amount that will support you. Yeah, we're, we're hoping for a huge turn on, I'll be honest with you, because Bell and NTB, by all accounts, will travel strong. They'll have a couple of us loads of supporters coming with them. So we're hoping, with us being the home team, we're hoping everyone to clear, to, anyone that's available to go rally in and get behind us, and... Uh, no more than when the market were playing the FA in the Munster Junior last year. Like it was great to go on and watch them. I, I, I watched both games myself, and from a neutral perspective, there were so many people from from Clare down at supporting the market in them games. You know, so we're hoping, like this is our this is our Munster and our FA. Like you know, just so once like for the market. So we're hoping that we will get a huge support out at two o'clock from them like Ely Park. And a Celtic manager Alan Considine there. That one set for a two o'clock start on Sunday afternoon. Now Jim Madden joins us to have a look ahead to everything else that's going on in Clare Soccer this weekend. Uh, we've heard from the two teams involved in the Munster action. Uh, but Jim, lots other games going on besides that. 
yes, indeed. There's some very exciting games to, to look forward to this weekend. Uh, starting tomorrow with the Munster Youth Cup quarter final when Bridge United welcome Tramore to Six Mile Bridge. It's another big game for the Bridge Youths team, and there's no doubt they're involved in big, important games on a regular basis now. They'll have to put the disappointment of last weekend when they were beaten by St. Kevin's behind them, but I think they are capable, they have the experience, and they should win this and get themselves into the semi final of the Munster Youths Cup. Uh, and that should be a cracking game, well worth watching, and hopefully there'll be a good crowd at that. Also on Saturday, they clear under 17. Cup quarter final, Bunratty versus Avenue United. Um, Bunratty quite a, doing a lot of work at underage level at the moment, but you'd have to think that Avenue might just have an edge in that. And then there's a youth league game at Newmarket where Newmarket Celtic play Tuller United. That game is on at 11 o'clock as, as well. And then on Sunday, um, there is a very big game down in Kerr, the Munster Junior Cup semi-final, where St. Michael's entertain Avenue United. This is a must-see game for all Clare soccer fans, Derek. Um, so hopefully a good crowd will travel down and Avenue will get a result in that. Then on, also on Sunday at 2 o'clock, the Munster Junior Shield semi-final with Manus uh, playing Balinanti Rovers B team. This again will be a fine game and I remember last year Balinanti's A team were out to play Newmarket in the FAI and uh, they still rankle a bit about being beaten there. Um, Manus, they're up against it in that, in my opinion, a little bit. But they, they, if they put in the performance they did the last day, they could win. The Clare Cup second round then has three games. Sporting in Estimon versus Bridge United B at 11 in, in Estimon. Home advantage might just swing it there for Sporting. There is an all-premier tie then when Lifford play Bridge United at 10.30 at Lifford's pitch. Both teams will be very focused on this, Derek, because it really is their last chance of any silverware. However, I feel that the bridge might just edge it despite the home advantage for Lifford. Shannon Olympic B play Shannon Town B at 1.30 in Shannon. This is a real local derby. It will be very competitive as both teams know one another very, very well. But I think Olympic might be just fancy to win. They are at the top of their division at the moment. In the Premier League, then, there's two games down for decision. Tulla United play Newmarket Celtic at 11. Tulla will be very keen to get something out of this game because it will move them into mid-table and away from any danger of relegation or anything like that. But Newmarket will also be very wary and they'll be focused to make sure that they try and get the points. So Newmarket should edge that. Cool play Kilkishan at 11. Cool will find this a real tough test. Kilkishan are playing well. They had a good win over Shannon Olympic last Sunday by five goals to four in the cup. And I think they'll win this as well. There are three games in the first division. Inch versus Ryan Rovers at 1.30. Inch are continuing their good run and I think they'll win. Mount Shannon are at home to Newmarket Celtic B at 11 and a away win looks very likely there. Bunratty are at home to Ennis Dons at 1.30. A close game to call, but Bunratty could make home advantage count. In the second division then, there are two games. Hermitage play Connolly Celtic. Uh, this looks like an away win for Connolly as Hermitage are struggling a bit at the moment. 
uh, Fair Green Celtic play Bridge Celtic then, Fair Green should continue their push for promotion with a home win here. And then in the third division, Derek, there's only there's only one game down for decision. Currapin Harps are playing Shannon Town C. A home win looks likely because it's very difficult to get a result in Currapin. And then there's a Clare Women's Cup first round when Bridge United play Hermitage. I don't know much about this, but I gather Hermitage always were fairly strong at the women's level, Derek. Very good. Busy weekend ahead. Jim, thanks for that. Jim, thanks indeed for that. This feature, Sport in Focus, is funded by Commission Naman with a television licence fee. As part of our latest Sport in Focus series here on Care FM, delighted uh, to be joined by a fairly prominent person in terms of women's sport, not only in Clare but indeed beyond as well, uh, Irene Heher from NS. Irene, thanks so much for taking the time to come in to have a, a chat with us. People will know you from from coaching circles, certainly in terms of women's soccer anyway, and, and a few other bits and pieces as well. Uh, tell us firstly, though, your own background, your first interest in sport. Uh, thanks for having me, Derek. Um, yeah, I suppose mine came from not too long after coming out of the womb, I would say, to be honest with you. Um, my dad was a huge influence on me as I was growing up and um, he was a big soccer man. And I suppose from the moment I could walk, I had a ball at my feet and, you know, there was hurlies around the house, I think. And uh, I just, you know, I always loved it uh, right through from, from as far back as I can remember. I've been involved in some sort of sport. Um, but I think soccer's always been my first love, to be honest with you. Um, and it's probably taken me where I am today, which is a great thing too. Born and reared at Innes? Born and reared, um, yeah, in the Turnpike area, McNamara Park. Um, so I don't think you can get as close to the town centre <laughs> as that. Uh, two falls and you're you're in the town centre. like So yeah, definitely born and bred Tony. Yeah, have you a first memory of of uh, of sport or the first time of kicking a ball around the, the garden? I have, like, to be honest with you, um, there was a lot of kids growing up at the road you know McNamara Park was a great place um, for families you know it was a very family orientated place and um, there was a green outside the house and that's where I spent my days you know um, I suppose there was no way I was going to keep the the, the paint and shoes clean anyway I tell you my mother would, would kill me over that but I, you know I'd be straight out after school every day uh, play until I was told to come in or if the, the belly was rumbling or something like that but uh, other than that yeah it was a great place it was it was where I was introduced to it and I suppose it's probably how I ended up doing well in some respects like, because I was always playing against the lads in the road and stuff so it was great competition to have at an early age Yeah and there's a couple of things in that I guess you hear a lot of people talking about the, the streets for want of a better mm. phrase as being the best grounding they ever got in the game which which probably flies in the face of modern coaching philosophy I guess in a lot of ways but yeah. it sounds like that was a brilliant foundation. Yeah absolutely without a doubt like I mean I had to be tough to me, you know in no matter what size I was or whatever like you, you play up against the boys and I think that's, that's a team that definitely is recognised that you know um, as much as the girls can play against the boys the best they can do that do it because it's a great way of learning those early street skills mm. and then you take those onto the pitch afterwards like you know it, you definitely have an advantage Was it the norm for, for a girl to be roughing it with the lads at the time? Probably not no yeah. there was very few of us around town I'd say I could probably count them on my hand now the ones that were let play you know but I think um, you kind of had to prove yourself a little bit first and nine times out of ten if you were stuck in goals you were happy enough <laughs> um, so I kind of started with that but every now and again you, you might get that minute out and you'd, you'd go hell for leather if you mm. could you know <laughs> Was there much of a structure then for girls soccer in, in Ennis at the time or you know when did you progress into the system as we'll call it? Well I was about I think I was nine or ten years old being honest with 
with you and it was the community games that gave me the kickstart um, it was just happened my dad came home one day and said I met Ferdy O'Donoghue down the road he's doing a girls soccer team for Minnes for the community games um, do you want to go down and, and train with him and see how we get on and the minute I arrived, I that was it. I was I knew that was where I wanted to be, you know. Um, had a great training session, and I still to this day can remember it. I I remember nearly every bit, minute mm-hmm. of it. Um, met a few girls down there. Some girls I knew, some girls I didn't, and it just went from there. And we won the cup that year. Um, I was captain on all of the team, and I just I still have photographs of that. Like it's just it's a fabulous memory to have, and that was my first introduction to it, and it just took off from there. It's amazing, and I'm not going to ask you how many years ago it was because people will start doing maths, but it's still bringing a serious smile to your face. Oh, it does, yeah. I think it's still, it's still also that kind of stuff that I also it keeps me grounded too. You know, you you talk of going off and coaching national teams and national academies and getting A licenses and all that, but I still love going back to the little ones and just seeing them having fun and and loving that because it's it's where I started, you know. Mm. That's something I'm intrigued by because um, I'm involved a little bit myself in our own clubs because if young, young fellas at home they're starting out and mm. like we, there's so much pressure on now to have I keep saying a 574 cones in a training <laughs> session and <laughs> all these fancy bits and pieces but yeah. like I've been told by other people that the best and the greatest crack you'll get and the best that they'll learn is that 10 or 15 minutes while you're setting up all your fancy stuff That's right. and they're having the crack with their buddies. Yeah I remember when I first started coaching my god it's a the pitch looked like Shannon Airport <laughs> with all the cones that was out and lights left, right and centre, cones everywhere. But being honest with you, like I did a, we did a session this morning with 28 under 12 girls above knees road and I think there was 10 cones let down on the pitch from the start and it was literally straight into it. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to have a whole lot of mad stuff going on. Mm. You keep them with the simple things and let them enjoy themselves. That's how they learn best, you know. Yeah, I suppose skills development and mm. like again, that comes back to the parent on the sideline that you know, mm. let them make them. I suppose you have to make mistakes to learn, don't you? No, that's the only way to learn. To be honest with you, and we'll always say that you don't lose a match. You 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 win or you learn. It's one or the other, you know, and and things like that out in the pitch as well. Um, and what I've come to learn over the years of coaching players, whether they're older or younger, is you need to find out, first of all, what did they actually know before you can actually teach them anything. And after that, it's it's what we call now guided discovery. So you want to get the information out of them because they'll retain it themselves then mm. instead of, you know, you'd, so you ask the certain questions, and give little hints and things like that. But if they come up with the answers themselves they're the ones then that retain that. We don't have to keep banging on about it all the time because it's the last thing you want to be doing when you're when you're coaching kids and stuff as well. So, yeah, guided discovery is the way to go. Yeah, we'll, we'll have more of a coaching discussion in a while, mm. but I want to get back to your own background then. Mm. So, nine or ten years old, the community games, where does it go from there? Um, not too long after that. I spent There was one or two seasons of kind of community games and then it looked like that there was enough um, kind of interest in around the county. Um, a few other teams were kind of starting to pop up and stuff. So, um when nearly sure it was for Fergie O'Donoghue was a big start of it and then um, Lifford started up a team and a few other teams around the town and the county as well so um, we start, they started an under 17 Clare League for under 17 girls basically and I think there was maybe four teams the first year and then there was six the following year and then all of a sudden there was a senior uh, league by the time I had turned 15 so you know that's where you know that's where it really started to kick off and I suppose the influences that came in after that then started to really expand and we were looking outside Clare Munster League National League you know national kind of cup competitions and things like that as well so it really took off 
I think once once I turned 13, 14, like it just took off like a rocket. And to be fair, Clare had ran what we called, it was the 750 celebrations at the time in Clare. So now I'm giving away my, my age a little <laughs> bit, but they ran a, a soccer tournament down here and Clare were in it. Team from Dublin came down, teams from a couple of different teams from around the county. Spent the whole weekend above in the rugby club playing the playing matches, playing the tournament. And we eventually won it out. Um, and it really did kind of open up the, you know, the possibilities of going off around to different places and, and playing matches from there, not just in Clare. Like. Yeah, that must be a very exciting prospect then because it sounds like it happened within a very short window. Mm. So like that can be exciting, it can be daunting, I suppose, a mixture. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And I think um, I was quite young, I suppose, and I was playing with kind of older girls and stuff too. But to be fair, I always seemed to have someone that took me under their wing, like, you know, and it was a great way of, of learning the game as well. And actually just, I suppose, having that uh, support when you're trying to mature and things like that too. Um, but I think, like, there was a lot of people that put an awful lot of work in at that time to give us those kind of opportunities like and you know that that was massive for us it was great to have those people there like when did the coaching bug bite <laughs> interesting story <laughs> um my manager at the time was Damien Walsh he was with Lifford ladies for years fantastic coach hugely successful and a massive influence for me in my career as well he was brilliant for me um you know getting trials for a national team and all that kind of stuff but um, I suppose he was a one man and running a club with a load of teams so he needed a bit of help with the, the coaching sessions so he'd try and round a few of us up to come up after training or whatever and help with the little girls like you know and um, I went up a couple of times and I was kind of like, oh my god I, you know, I prefer to be playing and all that yeah. kind of stuff but um, I think the more I did it and when I started to take some charge of a little few little things myself, I was kind of, it was just a case of, okay, what did I like to do when I was in training and then teaching the girls how to mm. do that. And I think the bug kind of set off from there. So it wasn't a great start to the coaching career in the sense, was I really interested? No, but something clicked and I, I hard to know what it is. I think it's just seeing the kids really enjoy themselves and it just kicked off from there. So I was about 15, 16 when I started helping. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, probably maybe 10 years before I started to really take it serious from there then. Did it help that the playing and coaching careers overlapped? Yeah, it did in some ways. In some other ways, it was kind of tough. But the older I got, um, at the start, it didn't really matter. Like I would train maybe once, twice a week um, with Lifford and then do a session with the, the young ones and we'd play, I'd have a match myself. So it didn't take a whole lot of time. And when you're young like that, you don't have a whole lot going on anyway. Mm. So you're only delighted for opportunities to turn up to the pitch. The older I got, I think it kind of it got tougher because I was starting to put a real focus on the coaching side of things. And I knew... You always know your career is going to. It has a you know it has a sell by date on it and stuff as well. So you're kind of thinking about that too. And I think um, at the time some of it was probably forced in the sense that you know Damien had moved on and we were trying to keep the the team going and stuff. And it took a lot of that responsibility on to keep the teams going, the senior teams. So eventually it was a case you know I was just letting the girls play the matches and I was doing all the organising, the coaching and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it naturally just I naturally retired for a finish um, now I hung on I, I hung <laughs> on to the boots for a while afterwards like but um, I knew then at that stage like coaching was coaching was what I wanted to do yeah, yeah. so when then did the journey towards what you've achieved progress and we'll, we'll discuss that mm. in more detail but like to, to start off then from from what we call the grassroots level to decide mm. okay I'm going to start climbing this ladder here yeah 2010 was the 
the start of the kind of taking it real serious for me, I think it was 2000, 2009, 2010, when um, they had advertised for emerging talent for the Clare Girls for the CSSL. So they were starting up um, the girls programme. And um, myself and good friend of mine, Sean, um, Sean Cregan from Connolly, mm-hmm. um, we joined together to start up the first girls team. And that's where it really took off. And we started, we kind of got, I suppose, introduced to some of the FEI coaching badges and and started to make our way up along there. Um, and we just, we were with those teams, I think, together for the best part of eight years after that, before I went off to the National League. But that was the real start of the real, um, you know, start to take it serious and really wanting to, you know, help girls to, to progress not just for fun, but to kind of realise maybe the dreams that I would have had mm. when I was younger as well. And seeing that that they were becoming a possibility as well was a bigger kind of, you know, draw to, to kind of push on to, to know as much as I possibly could so I could pass that on to the players as well, you know. But also because it's the game that you love and I suppose there's mm. a, there, there is a personal satisfaction the coaches get that, that you're getting more immersed in, mm. in, in what you loved. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, at, I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that soccer for me, like especially through teen years, was an absolute escape as well. It was the happiest time I had through my teenage years was on the when I was on the pitch, whether it was training or whether it was with my friends or whether it was playing matches, travelling across the country. It was an absolute escape. And you can imagine for any teenager growing up, when they have something like that, it's brilliant. And you want to provide that environment mm-hmm. for them then that they feel comfortable in, that they can, you know, be themselves, I suppose, as well. And then go out and enjoy a game is you know, the part of that as well, but not just the whole thing. So I suppose that was that was a big part of it for me as well. And that that satisfaction, um, you know, to, to see girls then coming in and enjoying it and maybe not feeling so great coming into a session, but going out of the session afterwards and they've got a smile on their face and a pep in their step, you're going job done. Yeah. You know, so no matter what was achieved during the session, you've helped a girl to maybe just stir a lad or whatever it is to maybe just have a better day or the rest of the day a better day for them you know yeah, it, it's something we can often forget isn't it that mm. you have a you have a group for an hour hour and a half mm. there's 22 and a half other hours in the day that you yeah. don't know what they're absolutely. What, what they're at like yeah absolutely like and that like again resonated so much with me as well so you know the more I got into coaching and the more I realised that kind that you could have that kind of effect on someone um, you know that positive effect and being a positive role model as well and you know, you'll admit everyone has to admit that they make mistakes at times. Yeah. But you know, they just said if you can pick yourself up, dust yourself down, and drive on, um, without too much worry about what the past was, off you go. You know. So we're going through that that coaching structure. What kind of supports are in place there for you, or or did you ever did you ever come across barriers? Was there did you have to push that little bit harder, or what was that journey like for you? I suppose in the early days it was kind of. Um, you know, you turn up to coaching, you might start on your PDP ones. They were called Kickstart One and Kickstart Twos at the time, and you turn up, and then maybe, maybe if you're lucky, have another girl there as well. Um, so there was barriers to do to break down a little bit there in that respect because when you were asked to pair up with someone to do a session, um, or to do a demonstration or whatever it was, most of the time I was handed the cones and saying, "You set those out, and I'll sort out the rest." Okay. You know, and it was kind of like um, I used to <laughs> for a finish. I suppose I was picking up the cones and getting to them first, and going, "We'll do this together." You know, so there was little barriers like that. I suppose you kind of had to prove that you were had the ability. Um, so I think the first thing I used to do when I used to get to 
the likes of the coaching courses was when you had the time to maybe do 1v1s against each other to practice and stuff like that I'd go flaking into it like <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold back um, so I suppose it was just letting them know at the time lads I appreciate it that you might be looking out for me but I don't need your help I want to I, I'm, I'm up for this like you know so just throw it at me whatever you've got I, I'll figure out a way of sorting it out like you know Almost mirroring the first entry to the sport back in the streets was That's it? That's right yeah more or less yeah but to be fair it's got a hell of a lot better yeah. it's got a hell of a lot better I won't say that the ceiling is completely broken but there's definitely a massive hole in it now um, and I have to say like I've met so many um, you know positive people male and female throughout the whole time as well that have been absolutely brilliant and I would have been lost without them you know coming up through um, you know opening doors and um, one might close behind you but not there's no sooner someone else is opening a door in front of you you know so then you we, we you've gone to the elite level I mean in terms of coaching it's it's an f- unbelievable achievement and rather than me telling people <laughs> what you've done I, I think it's it's better that you explain exactly where you've taken it oh gosh where did I start um it was I think uh, around 2017-18 that I was um I applied to UEFA for um the women only B license course it was the first one ever being held in Dublin with the FAI and um, UEFA were providing the the funding for this so it was a massive opportunity and at that stage I had done my kind of it was youth or C licence conversion and I was like oh my god am I really you know going to throw myself out there and try for this like because at the time I suppose when you start off these things are unachievable potentially unachievable Mm -hmm. I suppose because of you hear all the stories about oh they're always failing people and all that but they had an opportunity for this female-only course, so I applied for it, and I was lucky enough to 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 be offered one of the places on it, and it kind of started from there. Being honest with you, um, and like I was on the course with the likes of Anya Garman, Diane Caldwell, um, you know the likes of Emma Dunhu above in Piedmont, like people in the game that really had like savage experiences, players, professional players international players and there was some fabulous coaches from around the country female coaches from around the country and it really was this, the kickstart of the women in sport basically for the, for the FEI kicking off and trying to get women into those positions and coaching roles um, that we hadn't really occupied before mm. and I suppose what that gave me was the confidence to kind of push on from there I suppose fantastic experience I have to say it was absolutely brilliant um, you know and made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts in that as well. And and shortly after that, um I got offered a position um down in with James Scott on the women's under seventeen national team as his assistant coach. Um just before that, also part of that was I also had started with Limerick FC inside with the women's under seventeen and the senior women's team inside in Limerick. So I'd moved from club now to National League mm. And and now I was being offered a position on a women's national team, the under seventeen national team, and it was just a dream come true to be honest with you, you know, um, and not it just really took off from there. It was it was really crazy stuff, like you know, um. Since then, I'm I've I've done my youth B license. I've just recently last year in September completed my A license, um. Hopefully going for the elite A soon enough, but, um. Now it's a case that I'm in national academy. Centre of Excellence in Limerick look after the football coordination of the, the Clare School Boys League for the Emerging Talent Programme and I just love coaching still to this day I'm absolutely amazed that 
a lot of what you've taught me there in, in your journey, things happen so fast in the, mm. in the blink of an eye. Mm. And it never you've never once said that you took time to get used to it or anything. It's no. just like it seems to be to, to, to kind of a soccer phrase like two footed all the time. Just go for it. Oh, literally. Yeah. Times there I question my reasoning sometimes now, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, and people that often say, how are you still going? But to be fair, over the years, I've also learned how to mind myself, too. So I suppose that's that's most important mm. as well, you know. Um, but I just love it. And the thing is, I don't work full time in football, nor do I have a desire really at times to do it because it's my thing outside of my normal day to day. And that myself, that is almost my self care piece as well, if yeah. you like. So I just love that it's it's that thing that I can do um, outside of my nine to five kind of thing as well. Like, but yeah, two footed uh, landing and see what the temperature is like and then adjust. And yeah. all, I, I often find that the discussion around women in sport can often be framed in a negative way. Mm. And I, I was guilty of myself there a couple of minutes ago. I used the word barriers. But mm. look at the progress that's been made from, we'll say, that first involvement in community games mm. to the opportunities that can now be afforded. Mm. Like maybe just changing even the lexicology around that mm. can be an important part as well. Hugely so. And I think, you know, enough people spent long enough trying to push those barriers as well. And there weren't just women now, to be fair. I've had quite a few influential amount of men, you know, look after us and, and push us um, and including everywhere. But it is great to see and it shouldn't be just a token thing either. That's mm. that's the one thing about it as well, Derek. You know, when someone goes for a job, it's it's for the right person, regardless of, you know, their gender or whatever it is. You know, it should be for the right person. When the right person, people are in place in those positions, you know, anything then is possible. And that's what you want is someone with an open mind willing to push the barrier a little bit and maybe, you know, get a little bit burned at the start. But I think, you know, it it comes into play afterwards like, you, you know, the success will follow. Yeah, and we had, we had Deirdre Shannon Drummy on at the start mm. of this series um, when we kicked it off for a panel discussion talking about girls soccer here in the county. And yeah. like, it seems to be in a very, very strong place. Like numbers mm. are certainly going in the right direction anyway. Yeah, without a doubt. My God, the, the trials alone for the emerging talent was... It was unbelievable, to be honest with you. You know, there was over 100 players um, for the five different. So we're talking about four, 500 girls uh, trialed for the emerging talent um, alone in Clare. Um, and just the work that the clubs are doing is absolutely fantastic. And people are bending over backwards to avail of, you know, to try and make sure that that's there for the girls mm. if they want to play and let them play, you know. And even the likes of, you know, social soccer in Clare now as well. You know, that's taken off a little bit as well with the soccer sisters in town mm. and things like that. And then also, you know, working on that senior league as well, too. So it's great to see it. And the more, the merrier, you know what I mean? And I think the more positive we can create an environment around all those different aspects of the game, whether it's kids, social soccer, you know, women, whatever it is, and including all the boys and all that as well the better it can only be. You yeah, know? I suppose a pathway as well, particularly from, mm. a, from a girl's sense, because I suppose previously you might have looked at it and said, OK, I can play it to 15 or 16 and then mm. it's just a blank wall. And mm. you wondered in at 12 or 13, will I bother following you through? But yeah. now, like when you've got Chloe Maloney winning leagues yeah. at Piedmont, Laurie Ryan captaining at Lone Town to an yeah. FAI Cup, you can see a, a natural progression path. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And there's a brilliant, like you're talking from your club to your ETP now, you're talking of all the centres of excellence around the country. But now you have the ability that, you know, the players have the ability to ex excel into the likes of the Women's National League now, starting at under 17, under 19, senior. 
the world is their oyster now. How many players have we seen from Ireland at the moment now getting you know contracts across the road? Mm. We're not really there with the professional game yet, but I say yes. Lord knows it might take a few years. There's no doubt about it. But I'd like to think that someday down the road we will see a professional women's league here in the country, similar to the men's league that there is as well. You know, it's starting, but there is a lot of work still to be done there. But the the fact is that there is a clear pathway there now for the girls. All it can do is get better. It's absolutely brilliant at the moment. And we've seen so many, like to think of the players that have come from Clare over the years, and I'm talking way back in time, um, before uh, maybe BC, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the amount of girls from Clare that have played for Ireland is massive. Over 30 girls at one stage for Lifford had played for Ireland while I was still with the club. And we have still excelled from there as well. But like... Laurie and, and Chloe last year were the cream of the crop when it came, you know, to winning, winning those, the league and the cup and stuff. And it was fantastic to see because those girls have all come from Clare and they're not afraid to, you know, to, to show it too. And it's great. Yeah, and I guess it's for Ashley Meany, I think, is doing great work as Ashley, well. Ashley, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and, and hopefully from her point of view, there's, mm. there's silver on the horizon mm. there. Um, what's on the horizon for yourself between this and next Christmas? This and next Christmas, I expect. <laughs> I'm expecting a busy year. I think, um, yeah, back with the centres of excellence now um, next week. Um, looking forward to that. I'm in Dublin tomorrow with the National, the Women's National Academy. So that's uh, that's probably 50, 60 of the best girls in the country at under 15 level will come together, uh, and they're they're part of the player ID then for the Irish under 15 schools, under 16s, and following on to the under 17s there as well. So that's a full day's work now tomorrow, and it's something I look forward to once a month. Um, but after that, I think like definitely coming back into care, um, you know, helping the likes of the Gainer, the Gainer Cup mm. squad uh, and the Kennedy Cup squad get prepared now for their tournaments coming up in June and then pressing the reset button and getting ready for the next turn coming in after that. Then So, yeah, I expect a busy couple of uh, busy couple of months, uh, definitely. Um, and like that, just try to help as many coaches as possible as well and just try and learn the game or whatever it is I'm available there for. Yeah, in a few down days perhaps as well just to, to, to try and switch off. I might take a little holiday yeah just to switch <laughs> off yeah we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm in college like I'm, I've got college as well like so it's it's uh, it's full on very much but but uh, I enjoy it. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, it sounds like you wouldn't have it any other way anyway no. that's, that, that's for sure. Not for a uh, second. Listen thanks so much for taking the time to, to come in and have a chat with us delighted to and uh, look we'll, we'll catch up as things progress and uh, wish you well for the rest of the year. Thanks very much I really appreciate it. That's my chat with Ennis native Irene Herrer. That's part of our Sport in Focus series and we have lots more of those features to come over the next few weeks. Time now for Greyhound Focus with Alan Troy. Claire FM's Greyhound Updates in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. Good evening and welcome to this week's Greyhound Focus. Saturday night last at Galway Greyhound Stadium, a remarkable feat was made by Bonpart JT who recorded a 7th career win from 7 starts. Owned in Kilmetal by Maria Brown, this son of JT Jet and Seacrest Vision was victorious in 1796 over the 325 yards trip. And a little brother of Bonpart JT is the Noel Gavin of Ballier owned Ballier Jet. And he landed career win number 2 and remarkably in the exact same time of his brother of 1796. He is trained by Albert Mullins from Gart. And now to the action from Limerick Greyhound Stadium. The ever popular Dinny Gould from Cree was in the winner's enclosure with Cree Bonnell, who held on to claim the honours in a novice 5-2-5. In an impressive debut performance, his winning time was 
He's a son of Broadstrand Bono and Droopy's Lullaby and is trained in Golden by Rachel Wheeler. Clonlara native Susan Garrahy saw extra gain lead from trap to line in a 575 yards contest. A son of Pestan and Slippery Jade, he stopped the clock in 31.51 and he's trained by Attenry based Matthew Hart. And from yesterday's afternoon meeting, after 12 races on the card, four came home to the Banner County. Termana Oak recorded his eight career success for Noel Moroni from Mullock. A son of Lockhill Blake and Clonny Ogan Flash, he stopped the clock in 29.15. The ever consistent Snuggy Archie won his 12th career race with a 29.28 victory for Newmarket and Fergus's Miles Cummins. He's a homebred son of Paddy's Magic and Miles's Girl. Kilrun Babe recorded her third win on the bounce for Kiran and Donald Cooney from O'Callaghan Mills. A daughter of Pestan and Border Electric, her winning time was 29.46. And the Donny Duggan trained Mr Moffat followed up from his victory two weeks ago with a 29.43 victory in an A4 graded contest. A son of Slippery Robert and Clodagh's legend, he is owned by Vincent Sweeney and Rhys Gittins who hail from Sligo. That's it for this week folks, Sloan August Bannacht. Alan, thanks very much indeed for that. We finish this week with our new Athletics Corner here on Sideline View, where we'll be previewing what's in store each weekend for our local athletes. We'll also be posting a weekend roundup each Monday morning on our website so you can keep up to speed with what's going on. Clare Athletics PRO Rachel Clancy has this week's update. This weekend, the Munster Under-12 to Under-19 Indoor Championships takes place over Saturday and Sunday in Nina Olympic. There are just over 1,100 athletes entered in this competition, with a huge contingency coming from Clare. In total, there is 309 entries across all track and field events from Clare. Athletes from the following athletics clubs, Ennis Track, St Cronin's, Fergus, Tulla, Kilnaboy, St John's, Derg, Kilmurray Brick and North Clare, and West Clare Sports and Fitness will travel to Nina to compete this weekend. Live results are available at live.munsterathletics.com. We would like to wish all the athletes travelling to Nina this weekend the very best of luck. Entries are now open for the Michael Egan Memorial, which takes place as the third race in the Run the Banner series. This 8K road race takes place on Sunday the 24th of March in Quilty, starting at 12 noon. Entries are open online at Eventmaster and you can follow Run the Banner on Facebook for all updates in relation to this event. Rachel, thanks for that. And remember to check out our website on Monday for an update on how our local athletes fared. It's another big weekend also for the Clare Camogie side. They take on Kilkenny up in Nolan Park as they look to bounce back from defeat to Galway last time out in Division 1A of the National Camogie League. Kilkenny come into the game their first home tie they lost out to Cork though last weekend so both sides eager to get the points that's a 2 o'clock start in UPMC Nolan Park and we'll be there with updates on air and online for Clare FM so do stay tuned for that that's all though for this week's show another very busy weekend ahead and I'll talk to you later